on March 18th, 1990, two thieves dressed in police uniforms talked their way into the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts. A portion of that museum is displayed on the screen. Once they were inside, they were able to then tie up the security guards and disable the security cameras and then proceed to steal 13 classic works of art valued at over $500 million. This particular theft has flummoxed investigators for the past 30 plus years and the thieves have yet to be caught. In fact, it is considered to be the greatest art heist on U.S. soil. And yet it's not necessarily the brazenness of the theft or the elusiveness of the thieves that caused me to be compelled by the story. For to explain the part of the story that captured my attention, I, I, need, I need to explain to you a little bit about the wishes of Isabella Stewart Gardner, who again was the founder, the owner of this uh, museum and the owner of every bit of art in the museum. So it was that with a large inheritance of her father, Gardner collected works by Renaissance masters, built a museum to hold all of these priceless works of art in. And yet when she died, she left a will with very strict instructions for the museum. For in that will, she documented the fact that if anyone was to ever change the art, move the pieces, or in any other way alter the display as she had established for it to be, in her will it said at that point, then the entirety of the museum and every work of art therein would be sold immediately to private collectors. This was her way of ensuring that how she set up the museum and where the pictures were and what the pictures were were to always remain as she wanted them to be. And yet, she had not anticipated a theft of 13 of her most valuable pieces when she put that expectation in the will. Nonetheless, with that provision in place, by this point, she had already died. And so now, with that provision in place in her will, that meant that after the theft had occurred, the places where those stolen masterpieces once hung were now left blank. With only the empty frames remaining in their stead. So if you were to go to that museum in Boston tomorrow and walk through that part of the museum, this is what you would see. Thirteen empty frames were masterpieces once 
were. Where beauty once dwelled, now emptiness remains. Where mastery was once put on display, it was now nothing more than a framed vacancy of what once was. The work of a grand creator was now gone. The masterpiece had been stolen. I preach today about stolen masterpiece. The apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus would say these words in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And whereas the King James Version of our Bibles translates that word workmanship, many other versions translate that word as masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. We are Christ's masterpiece. Created for such great purpose. Designed for such extraordinary intention. Formed to achieve such glorious and godly objectives. The mindset of our world would desire for us to believe that we are just a little bit above the animals in some evolutionary construct. But the Lord, through the writer of Psalms, would bring light to the darkness of that fallacy when he said in Psalms 8 and 4, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him just a little lower than the heavenly beings, speaking of the angels, and have crowned him with glory and with honor. This is letting us know this morning that our humanity does not reside just a little bit above the animal kingdom, but rather we reside just a little bit lower than the angels. We are not the latest in some evolutionary time frame. We are the masterpiece of God in heaven. We are not an afterthought. We are not a castaway. We are not purposeless beings. We are not a conglomeration of matter meandering through the meaningless of life. Humanity was created with the intention of being his masterpiece. Hallelujah. 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 So it is, the word of the Lord, what he spoke to Jeremiah would be fitting, divinely appropriate for all of us in this room today when he said in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before we were even born, his handiwork was already establishing our lives. Because we are his masterpiece. He began to work on us before we were even conceived. What a 
masterpiece. A lump of clay being fashioned into a masterpiece by the purpose and the hand of Almighty God. Beauty bursting forth from the blank canvas of our being. Everything that did not fall in line with his intent for who we were to be was chiseled away. And everything that remained held within its reality, the future worth living. He specifically wants somebody to know today that he formed you. He has a plan. Come on, Jesus. He has a plan for your life. There is a reason for your being. You are not without purpose. You are not just lost in some vague, nebulous creation that holds, that holds within it no rhyme or reason. There is a divine creator, and his name is Jesus, and you are his masterpiece. I, I realize today the conception of your life may have been wrapped in the saga of tears and trauma, but he still formed you as his masterpiece nonetheless. The trauma of your upbringing, the heartache of your childhood, the painful circumstances of the days that have led up to this moment may be well documented in your troubled mind, but I've come to tell you that he still formed you to be his masterpiece. None of those things changed his purpose. The reality of who and what you were born into did not circumvent the reality that he wanted you to become exactly who he created you to become. For with his divine will and his all-knowing purpose, he painted upon the canvas of our living that which he would desire for you and I to be. And that which he would desire for you and I to become. Psalms chapter 139 and verse 15. They'll put it up in the King James. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. It says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, it's speaking allegorically here of the womb of a woman and how the body of a young baby is intricately formed together by the creation of Almighty God. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed. Not most of them, but every day. When I wasn't even formed yet, you had a book, and it was a masterful book. 
and it was a masterpiece of a story and you laid it out perfectly every step, every move, every day in order that you could create the masterpiece that you had intended for me to live. Before there was ever even one day, you had all days. Oh, the master at work. Mm. With love, with compassion, he formed heaven's intent and heaven's purpose for my tomorrows. And what that life would consist of and what my life was to accomplish when ordained by the master creator was intended to be nothing short of a masterpiece. So we see that a masterpiece in the making was what God intended for us all. And yet we also know that there is another objective at work in our lives. The book would say this about the devil, Satan, the enemy, the adversary of our soul. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief, the thief cometh not but for to steal the masterpiece. So it is that just like in the museum in Boston, it's just possible that sitting in this room today are individuals who have had the thief called hell steal from the masterpiece that God intended for you to be. And no, the enemy does not have the power nor the authority to simply arbitrarily walk into our lives and remove from us all that God intended for there to be. But doors were opened. Bad decisions were made. Bad decision led to an opening that should have never been opened. And the thief took advantage of that opening and he stole from us what God had called us to become. Every time we choose our fleshly desires over his desire for us, another portion of the masterpiece was chipped away. Every time his hand reached out to us but we ignored it, the thief stole just that much more. Every time God's voice rang out in our ears but we chose to listen to other voices instead, a little more of the beauty of God's handiwork within us was pilfered away. Every time we decided to follow our word instead of his word, we gave the thief access into our lives to appropriate unto himself what God had originally intended for you and I to have. So here we are today. Not all of us. The Lord's talking to somebody. Here we are. Here we are feeling as if there is nothing more than an empty framework 
of a life that the enemy has stolen beauty from. The masterpiece has long since, at least in our minds, been taken from us, gone, to never return. Now we're left with the meager remains of what once was. Same person, same name, same existence, but the masterpiece of who we were to become, and the masterpiece of the purpose for which we were born, and the masterpiece of the design for which we were created is now gone. gone. All that we are left with is a frame of empty nothing. Framework of a life that holds within it that which seemingly has no value at all. And it's just possible. It's just possible. In fact, more than possible. That you have looked and we have searched and we have tried everything that this world has to offer in an attempt to recover beauty back to our life in a, an attempt to recover purpose, meaningfulness, substance, value back to our lives. But you know all too well that your searching and our trying and our experimenting has only left us worse off than when we started. Who am I preaching to today? So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do when all we have left is emptiness? What do we do when all we have left is the shell of what we once were? What do we do when all we have left is the memory of days gone by and the memory of better days and the memory of what I was supposed to be and the memory of my calling that has never flourished and the memory of the hand of the Lord upon my life that I've walked away from? What do I do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do when we have thoughts and we go to sleep at night and as we lay on the pillow and before we go to sleep in that waning waking somewhat asleep somewhat awake stance stage in our lives there's this thought that goes to our mind I am not what I'm supposed to be oh I know I put on a good face. I know I like to pretend. I know I like to make everybody think all is well, but I know I'm just an empty frame. An empty frame. An empty frame. The masterpiece has been taken from me. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. So what do we do? And then I believe the Holy Ghost would speak to us in order to remind us of the fact 
that our pursuit of the masterpiece will always leave us wanting. Our pursuit of the masterpiece of that which would give us value and that which would give us beauty and that which would give us substance and purpose for our life, the pursuit of the masterpiece will always leave us empty. For the most important thing is not the masterpiece. The most important thing is the master. And here's why. Because when the master is once again allowed to work, a masterpiece will always follow because he never does anything less than masterful work. <laughs> it's not about the masterpiece. It's about the master. Hear me right now. They are still searching for the masterpieces that were stolen from that museum because the masters that painted them have long since died and are therefore incapable of producing another masterpiece. But I've come to tell somebody, my God isn't dead. I said, my God is not dead. He still has all power in heaven and in earth. And he still does masterful work in the lives and hearts of those that will let him work. Come on, somebody, if you know I'm preaching right, give the Lord a shout of praise. Can I get a testimony in the house of somebody who understands I might have walked away, but the master still does masterful work. And when I... Come on, he's still able to do it. He still has the power to do it. He still is able to accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need somebody to understand the word of the Lord is absolutely speaking of God's intention in your life. When he says these words, Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you is absolutely going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That lets me know this. God hasn't given up on your masterpiece uh, even if you have. (laughs) 
The promise from the Lord is letting somebody know the purpose that he declared over your life from the day you were born is still within his power to accomplish. Stand to your feet right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I said I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I feel a spirit of restoration in this house right now. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. This is very important that you understand what I'm about to say. Your failure is not bad enough to stop the promise. And let me come against a lie from the devil right now that he's telling somebody in this room. You don't have to settle for a lesser masterpiece either. Well, I'll never actually become what he said I was going to become because of all my failure. I'm here to tell you what God started. He's going to finish. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. I'm coming to tell somebody he don't just start stuff. He finishes what he started. Your mistakes are not final. Your sins have not removed you from the purpose and the plan of God. The masterpiece is still yours for the having. You just got to get back to the master. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. You got to come back to the master, sir. You got to come back to the master, ma'am. You got to restore him back as being the preeminent being in your life and in your home and in your emotions and in your present and in your future. Because when the master is in his proper place, masterpieces just happen. Sataye lorobokotoye ha ye lorobokotoye ye 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 
There's a drawing. There's a drawing. The master is drawing. The master is telling somebody, I still want to do what I told you I wanted to do. I still want to use you like I said I wanted to use you. I still want to employ you in my kingdom like I called you to be employed all those years ago. The calling is still there. The gifting is still there. The anointing is still there. You just need to let the master back in to your life. Ah, come on, this altar's open. <laughs>